Welcome to Hebsey on Sports. It's episode number 162. I'm your host, Mark Hebsher, alongside Toronto Mike. And we're brought to you by jerseyfactory.com for the finest and customized athletic apparel for your team. Visit jerseyfactory.com. It's the 28th anniversary of Doug Gilmore's first game as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Do you remember the Leafs before Doug Gilmore and what they turned to do after that trade? I'll have my recollections of the deal that turned the Leafs' fortune around. And speaking of the blue and white, we'll get into their big win last night over Winnipeg. Dare I say it, the Leafs are the best team in the NHL. Wow. There's no bias there. Who's better? Oh, you can't come up with another team. Now, the same cannot be said for the Montreal Canadiens, who, in the opinion of this reporter, will not make the playoffs this year. Canada into the semifinals at the World Junior Championship, the uh, NBA community, and uh, actually the world mourning the loss of former Commissioner David Stern. The Raptors play one of their worst games of the year in Miami. Must have been the Heat. (laughs) Josh Donaldson looking at $100 million over four years. And much more. Well, could be much more money for Josh, but much more on the show, including the story of the time I went dancing with the wife of the heavyweight champion of the world. Remind me of that story. What a story that is. Mike, did you have a good New Year's? It's 2020. Well, listen, happy New Year to you, but also happy birthday to Hebsey. Yes, thanks. You're a New Year's baby. I am. I was born New Year's. So they have big celebrations for you all yeah. across the world. Um, somebody wrote in a great uh, story about uh, what, what uh, like a New Year's baby in a small town. So, uh, and I can't, for, can't remember the name of the town, but uh, there's this one woman who was, who was the, first, the first child born, whatever that year was, in this particular town. Right. And, and they were born January 23rd. Ah, that's a small town. <laughs> that's a New Year's baby. But uh, what did you have a good like a birthday dinner? I saw. Uh, yeah, a yeah, photo. we went. Uh, we went first of all on New Year's Day. It's hard to find a place that's open like before I don't know four p.m. For oh. example, and not a lot of places that are open early on New Year's Day because they were likely hosting some parties, revelers, late into New Year's Eve, right? Um, but the Mandarin is open at eleven thirty in the morning on. Um, like New Year's Day. And so I thought, well, you know what? For people that I know that have stayed up fairly late or whatever, how about like a one thirty lunch? Right. Like one thirty is okay. Cause, you know, you can party the night before, sleep until, you know, noon or 12.30 or whatever and still make a one thirty lunch. So we made it one thirty. My son came in with his friends from Kitchener. Uh, my other son came up. My, uh, my parents went and uh, picked him up. So there was uh, 10, 10 or 11 of us. And we had a wonderful time. It was really, really nice. Good. Uh, and uh, everybody got together. It was great. Uh, and there you go, another year older and another year wiser. Oh, the proof will be in the pudding. Right. Now, I believe this could be the year since 2019 was the year that the Toronto Raptors won their first NBA championship. Uh, I'm not going to suggest just yet the Toronto Planet's Stanley Cup parade route. And if they do, please don't make it as long as the Raptors parade route, okay? (laughs) Um, But you have to admit, you have to, even if you're not a Leaf fan, this team is capable of winning the big prize this year because... They can beat any team in the NHL. Whether they can beat that team in a best of seven series, we'll have to wait and see. <clears throat> but if I was to say to you, is there any team in the NHL that you think can beat the Leafs now? What would your answer be? Well, how many teams would you put in this bucket, though, of potential Stanley Cup winning teams? Uh, Washington, like, isn't that half the St. Louis. Uh, <laughs> well, no, you sure. <clears throat> but tell me a team right now that you right. think the Leafs no, cannot beat. They're, uh, they cannot beat because they can't score goals against them, because they can't defend against them. I'm listening. Go ahead. This, uh, and I don't, I don't know how much this has to do, but it seems to be when uh, they changed head coaches, this team became awfully exciting to watch. 14-4-1 since Sheldon Keefe took over. Now listen, to be a great team, to be a, a team to contend for the Stanley Cup, you've got to have great goaltending. The Leafs have it. Check. You've got to have forwards that can put the puck in the net. Check. Yes. You've got to be well coached. Check. You've got to be resilient, like coming back from deficits or check. You've got to have a solid defense. Well, <clears throat> okay, you can't have everything. Half a, half a check there. Confidence, check. Lots of that to go around. The Leafs can beat any team in the league. They took care of Winnipeg last night like, like, like the Jets were like a, a minor league team, really. All right? They, they had a 2 nothing lead. They blew it. And as soon as the Jets came back to tie it and the momentum was changing, boom, a few seconds later, Leafs take the lead again. <clears throat> right? And then they take a two-goal lead, and then the Jets come back to get it within one, and then, yeah, the Leafs go, let's just put our foot on the gas. Right. <clears throat> let's go. And this was without the benefit of Marner and uh, Matthews and the Hyman line, who only had, I think, two points between them. 
right? This is your top line. They were pretty quiet. In fact, I didn't think Matthews and Marner played really that well at all last night. And they still, they still pumped six and knocked Hellebuck out. They had no shots on goal for like 15 minutes. And then their next two shots on goal were both goals. You got Travis Dermott jumping up into the play. You got Cody Cece playing well. You got Martin Marinson playing well. Justin Hall. Suddenly you got a team that you look and go, yeah, you got some decent depth here going, right? So you tell me. Tell me there's a team in the NHL right now, now, if the playoffs started now, that you think the Leafs would not be able to beat in a seven-game series. Can we start the playoffs now? No, we can't. <laughs> no, we can't. And, of course, it's all based on the health of the team, and the team is, you know, I mean, Mikhaev is out, and um, Janssen's been out for a while, but generally speaking, the, and, and, of course, Jake Muzzin out with a broken foot, but you wouldn't have known it, right? You wouldn't have known but, it the way the Leafs are playing. I'm sure they give up 48 shots, but that's okay. Out of those shots... Patrick Line had like 15 of them. And there were, but the Leafs, here's the thing. The shots on goal is the most deceptive, the most deceptive stat in any sport. In soccer, there's shots at goal. There's shots on goal. There's shots attempted. It's an attempted shot and whether it was on goal or not. So look at the Leafs. Every chance they had was a quality chance. Every single one of their shots on goal was a quality chance. It wasn't from 50 feet out. It was a quality chance. And their first two shots after not getting a shot on, and I don't, I'm okay with that. I haven't had a shot in 15 minutes. Yeah, but are they creating chances? Are they just trying to fire the puck somewhere? Or are they trying to create the chance that's a good scoring chance? Any coach will tell you. They'll look at the numbers and they'll say how many quality chances at the end of the game. They're going to look at the stats, say oh, the shots on goal were 48, but how many quality chances were there out there? And when you got a guy like Freddie Anderson, man, you ride that bull. You do it because you got to have a number one goalie, and he's your number one goaltender, and he's going to be the guy in the playoffs. That if you're not having a great game or you have some defensive lapses, he's going to stone the opposition like he did to Winnipeg last night. They had 23 shots alone in the second period. All right? We, we got to keep three. We got to keep Freddie healthy. This is the, the key to the He'll season. Be <laughs> He'll be fine. Okay. He'll be fine. Uh, William Nylander. Now look. Yeah. I mean, last year, you know, he sat out, contract dispute, and then when he came back, he tried to pick the top corner on every shot that he took, and he kept missing. Remember? Right. You know, he missed, he missed, he missed, he missed, he missed, he missed. He was trying to do too much, and that's understandable. You're trying to justify your salary. Now, you put him with John, Keith goes, hey, you know what, Willie, maybe you'll play with Tavares. Oh, what's this? <laughs> this is a one-two punch, and if you added, like, Kerfoot played with him last night, he played the wing. Hey, not bad. But just those two together, the way those two work together, not unlike Matthews and Marner, you know, you add Hyman on their line, you're adding Kerfoot here as it stands because Mikhaev is out, and although I'd rather see Kerfoot as the third line center. But you see what the possibilities are. You see that Nylander is taking a, a page out of Tavares's book. He's playing a little dirtier. He's playing a little more in the dirty areas. He's not afraid to get his nose dirty and get into those spots. And, and he's a very good passer, and he, and he handles the puck extremely well, and he's fast. And this is where you bring Tavares. Tavares makes his line mates better. Tavares is an excellent player, but he's sublime. He's not flashy. You don't look and go, look at that, Tavares, look at those. But he's just such a good, he's got such great vision. And the way that line played last night reminded me of a good soccer, it reminded me of Liverpool in soccer. Hmm. Short little passes around the crease, around the area, you know, that type of a thing. Creating good scoring chances as opposed to just like driving it to the net and hoping for the best. So, like I said, uh, Morgan Riley, by the way, your buddy who you think is slumping, the perceived slump. And where I, didn't, I haven't noticed any issues. Have you? All right. I, but, I, but I haven't. Did you? Did uh, you no, did, no, no. Did you? What's with Riley out there? He looks awful. The team is winning. Mike, Mike, they haven't lost in regulation in, uh, in 10 games. In the last nine games, they've scored at least four goals in every one of those games. Four plus. You're going to win most of your games. If you're scoring four plus goals, if it wasn't for that overtime loss to the Rangers in which they still garnered a point, these are the best team in the NHL, bar none. And most important to me, entertaining. Oh, no these kidding. are entertaining games. No kidding. It's you don't know what's going to happen. It's that thing called skill that's been so uh, well, that's you know, half the rare fun. around here. Half the fun is, sure, you want to see them win every game with a shutout and allow hardly any scoring chances, but half the fun is watching them play. It's wide open. You guys, you want to play wide open? We'll play wide open. So that's okay with me. I'd rather have that than the neutral zone trap and the right. left wing lock and all that kind of stuff, right? And it's all about possession now. In today's NHL, it's about puck possession, right? None of this dumping in stuff... Not the same anymore. Right. 
It's control that puck, get guys that can handle that puck. And that's why the Nylanders, and even Kasperi Kapanen last night. I mean, when you've got speed, it, uh, it makes up for a lot of mistakes that you could make if you've got that type of speed. If you, can, if you can attack the other team and force them into mistakes like Hellebuck behind the net last night and, and then one of their defensemen bobbled it where Kapanen scored. I mean, those are the types of things you force the other team to turn the puck over, and the Leafs have that. Good times. Let's yeah. uh, stay healthy. They got 51 points in 42 games. The Leafs are just, they're eight back of Boston for the lead in the Atlantic division. That sounds like a lot, but you know what? I mean, all you got to do is, I don't, know, I don't know when their next game against Boston is. They've got a few more, but if you can, you got to beat the Bruins in regulation, beat these teams in regulation in your own division. Uh, Leafs are home to the Islanders on Saturday, and then they host the Oilers on Monday. <clears throat> and you know what? This team might be as good or even better than those Leafs teams of the early 90s. The Pat Burns coach teams. Yesterday was the 28th anniversary of one of the greatest Leaf trades ever. Maybe one of the greatest trades in NHL history. I might even go that far. Okay. Um, Doug Gilmore, Rick Natras, Jamie McCown, Rick Walmsley, and Kent Manderville to the Leafs <clears throat> for Jeff Reese, Michelle Petit, Gary Lehman, Craig Berube, and Alexander Gudinyuk. All right. I remember this <clears throat> trade well, but I'm uh, very interested in like like how do, how were you notified? Uh, like, do you, do you have a story about like when you became aware of this trade as a as a as a, as a man in the industry? Yeah, we uh, Global had the rights to Leaf games in those days. I was the host of the telecasts. Uh, Joe Bowen and Harry Neal, for the most part, did play by play in color. Uh, and we, tra- uh, we traveled to, I mean, I think, th- I think global did 35 games, you know, back 35 oh. games back in those days, you know, we uh, most of the midweek games were on global TSN did not have rights. Uh, um, at that time, I don't, mm, I'm trying to think, I don't, I don't think too many, I think maybe if it was a national game and the Leafs were involved during the week, maybe, but we had like 35 games. And so the Leafs, that, that team, the coach was Tom Watt on that team. They were a couple of years removed from a reasonably good year when they had Eddie Olchuk and Mark Osborne and, and uh, um, guys like that. Alan Bester, I guess, was in goal. 89-90. Doug Carpenter was the coach. They were a 500 team that year. They got beaten the first round of the playoffs by St. Louis. But that's when, that was the first time the Leafs were 500 in like a decade. Right. So they were just, you know, it's kind of, mm, what, you know, we're turning the corner here and we're getting there, but we need something. We need some injection of, of, um, of offense, just, you know, something. So they made this five-for-five five deal, and uh, we were doing the game that was the next night in Detroit at the Joe Lewis Arena. So we had gotten there the night before. I think we found out while we were on route, we were about to leave for the airport or something. And the deal was this. Look, they're coming in the day of. The next. The trade was on the whatever day of the week it was, and then they are coming in the next day. They are going to arrive in Detroit, and they are going to play their first game, <clears throat> Leafs at Detroit. And at the time, Detroit was number one in the league, and I think ended up finishing that season as the first overall team in the NHL, like 100 points. This right. was before the overtime, any points for overtime This was those losses. underachieving Iserman teams. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, yeah. But boy, during the regular season, fantastic. Well, yeah, so they're Brian, they're underachieving in the playoffs. Brian Murray was the right. coach. Anyway, and the Leafs were horrible. The Leafs were like uh, 10, 25, and 2 or something like that. <clears throat> so now, the next day, we're there. The global cameras are there. We're broadcasting the game that night. We're, oh. They're promoting it on Sportsline, and tomorrow will be the debut of Doug Gilmore, and uh, you know, and and I don't know if I don't think Walmsley. No, Walmsley didn't play that night. Um, so there was this big, you know, wow, Doug Gilmore. He just won a Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. Wow, and who did we just trade? Five for five. Right. Holy cow! And we need some <laughs> defensive help. We got Natris. We got McCown. Wow. And so, so the Leafs go into Detroit. Uh, we're there, and I and it's in the afternoon. It's af, uh, it's before the morning skate. The visiting team on the day of the game skates at like eleven thirty in the morning. The home team skates at like ten thirty in the morning. And if I'm not mistaken, Gilmore and Walmsley showed up early, like they took a red eye or something like that, and they were you know they rolled in at around nine thirty in the morning and right into the Joe Louis. We had the cameras rolling. Here they come. I'm standing next to the camera. Gilmore sees me, gives me a high, a wave. Walmsley sees me, gives me a wave, a high. I think the other guys might have come on a later flight or something like that. They, I, I, I don't recall where they were coming from. And then, and then they're they're at practice. And so now they're pra- now you look at the Leaf team and you see, well, look at there's Glenn Anderson, there's Mike Bullard, <clears throat> there's 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 Wendell Clark, right? There's Lucien Deblois, there's <laughs> right, there's Dave Hannon, there's Mike Krushelniski, <clears throat> there's Daniel Merwa, there's. 
There's there's Bob Rouse. There's Peter Zezel. Don't forget Dave Ellett. <clears throat> there's Dave Ellett. Um, and so you see now with the addition of these other guys that, oh, it's the team starting to take shape. Now, they didn't make the playoffs that season. And then the next season, they got off to a pretty good start, and then they made the big trade for Dave Anderchuk, which was a fabulous trade. They traded Grant Fuhrer to Buffalo, essentially, for Dave Anderchuk, which was a great deal. Well, we should give well. a little credit. Be preceding this big Gilmore trade, which yeah. I agree with you, is the biggest trade in Maple Leaf history. Yeah. That trade with uh, Edmonton was significant, right? This is the um, China, This is the Peter Ng and, and Glenn Anderson. Am I getting my guys right? Grant Fuhrer? Yep. We like, got Grant Fuhrer. To me, that Anderson. sort of sets yep. the table. Yep. So you have, that was a big trade, which got us some parts we needed. The Gilmore trade, and then you're right, the Androchuk trade, that puts you... That was the following season. Right. <clears throat> midway through the season. Right. So um, anyway, so it's Doug Gilmore's first game was a Leaf. It's the beginning of a new era. We didn't know that at the time. And the Leafs were a bad team. So in, even though Gilmore scored like two minutes into the game, he be- you know what happened? He banked one in on a power play. He banked. I thought it had gone off him, but he banked one in off of the goalie for Detroit, Greg Millen. <clears throat> and that might have been Greg Millen's last victory of his NHL career. I'm not sure. Wow. But he was the winning goalie that night. The Wings won 6-4. to four. And, and, okay, Gilmore uh, had a goal and an assist. And, you know, it wasn't one of those, okay, we've just turned it around. We've got Doug Gilmore, but believe me, he had an immediate impact on that team. And the following year, Pat Burns took over as the coach. Right. And, um, and that was 28 years ago, man. <laughs> it was 28 years ago. Well, Gilmore, he still has the record for most points in a regular 127. season. 127. Right. And he's got the, I think he's got the record for most points in a playoff oh, series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Andrew Chuck is something? still one of the in the exclusive fifty goal All club for this. Uh, yeah, and he had to, we had one he shared with Buffalo, I guess, but he had the one season in Toronto where he got the fifty goals. Yep. Which, exclusive club, you know, not many Leafs have scored fifty goals in a no. season. Gary Lehman was one of those. Gary guys. Lehman, that's yeah, he was a key part of that trade there, uh, and that's the right time to trade Lehman too. Uh, talk about you got to trade, right? Trade high well, end. Lehman ended up playing for the Canadians when they won the Stanley Cup. Vince Domfus was right. on that team too. Right, right. Anyway, right. sometimes, but that, this isn't yeah, about amazing. That. What this was the trade tra- this was where this was when this at this particular time this was when the Leafs and they ended up getting Pat Burns. It was like you know what, we got a good team. Felix Potvin began to emerge as the number one goalie. That's why you could trade Grant Fuhrer to get Dave Andrichuk. Right, all that stuff. It right. all kind of. And if you think about it, go look back at the defense that the Leafs had. Right, Sylvain Lefebvre. Bob Rouse, Todd Gill, Dave Ellett, Dmitry Mironov, Jamie McCowan. That's your six. There's yeah. your top six. And they were great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll say. So uh, we'll talk more hockey later in the show. But first, um, before we do that, the Montreal Canadiens lost 2-1 to the Tampa Lightning in regulation. They've fallen out of a playoff spot with half a season still to go. Six points back of Tampa for third place in the division. You've got to be top three in your division to make the playoffs, right? And seven points back of Philadelphia for the final wild card spot. So the question is, is it time to panic? And if you're from Montreal, you're, yes, yes, panic! <laughs> Do whatever you can. Uh, Le- uh, Habs have injury issues. They're now missing Brendan Gallagher. He's uh, out indefinitely. He suffered a concussion the other night. <clears throat> so the question is, should the Habs change their coach like the Leafs did? Is it too late? If you change the coach, can you change the culture? Can you turn this team around? Because uh, they do have some injury issues, you know, and it's, that's, not, um, that's not Claude Julien's fault. But it seems to me that Montreal is the type of a place where, you know, look at Toronto. They changed their coach. Right. You know, they're the best team in the league. Can we do the same thing? So what do you think? You think the Habs will do something? Will I'm Mark sh- Bergevin walk the plank? What's I'm going sure on? somebody has crunched the numbers, and there's probably some analytical evidence that the change of coach probably pumps up most teams like it seems to me that when I think about you know the record before the coach change and after that there's no matter what there's even if it doesn't result in you know success in the playoffs there's always a a bump like you get a coach change bump Craig Berube last year well for sure yeah Cito Gaston with the Blue Jays in 1989 right because they were 12 and 24 12 and 24 and they won the pennant that's right and you're only halfway I mean you're what 41 or 42 games into the an 82 game season you got 40 games to go you may as well, right? But, well, I mean, if they determine that it's not up, it, it has nothing to do with Claude Julian. It's injuries, it's, you know, inconsistent play, all that kind of thing. Even, so what are you going to do? You're going to say, well, we're sorry, fans. Maybe next year. Maybe when Carey Price is another year older, right. we'll make a run for the playoffs. I will say <clears> I'm in favor of any and all uh, chaos surrounding the uh, Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> so this is, I'll just uh, get my popcorn and watch the You're show. You're a typical Leaf fan. <laughs> all right, now to the basketball story. Um, 
And uh, you kind of knew that the Toronto Raptors would have, you know, some issues, some problems maintaining their pace of play without Pascal Siakam, without Marcus Gasol, without Norm Powell uh, in their lineup. And that was clearly evident last night in Miami, where uh, if it wasn't the heat, it was the humidity or both. Uh, the Raptors lost 84-76. No, that's not a third quarter score. That was the final score as the Miami Heat com- just, just suffocated the Raptors. Played great defense, <clears throat> so much so that the Raptors shot 6 of 42 from three-point land. 6 of 42 is 14%. Wow. They shot 31.5% overall, and you're not going to win many games. In fact, I don't think you're going to win any games. I was going to say, is anybody won 31%? There, There might have been. You know, maybe the other team shot 28%. But, you know, ugh, it was ugly. It was, I mean, and you know what? Get those games out of your system now. You're going to have a few of them every year. You're just going to have, you're going to have stinkers. You're going to have clunkers. And that's what happened. Serge Ibaka led the way, 19 points, 10 rebounds. Kyle Lowry had 15. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson added 13. OG Ananobi, 12 points and 12 boards. Raptors fall, listen to this, Raptors fall to 23 and 12. Yeah. Okay? Without three of the best players, their best players. Still fourth in the Eastern Conference, despite all the injuries. And before the injuries, again, a lot of uh, speculation that, you know, we might be a dogfight to make the playoffs this year. There was talk of a significant... Well, not drop. by me, there wasn't. Yeah, certainly, you're going, to drop, you're going to talk of a drop-off, but to not make the playoffs, I never heard that. I never heard about that. I mean, maybe you struggle to get seventh or eighth from some people. I believe I predicted that they would be maybe top four. And they're fourth right now. And when they get these guys back, and we don't know the timetable for any of them, uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Because, the, like anything else, like basketball is a game of runs. <clears throat> right, you can go on a 16-2 run, and then the other team can go on an 18-0 run. Ebbs and flows. But the same thing in the regular season, the same thing in the schedule. Over the course of 82 games, you're going to have your streaks where you're going to run off seven wins in a row, and you're going to have your ones where you're going to lose seven out of eight. And the Raptors are in that now, and um, uh, they've got uh, Brooklyn. They're going to Brooklyn for Saturday against the Nets, and then they're home to the Portland Trailblazers next Tuesday. David Stern, the longest-serving pro sports commissioner in history, the history of professional sports in North America, died the other day at the age of 77 from a brain hemorrhage. The man who transformed the NBA from a near-bankrupt league to a global powerhouse that is the envy of all sports leagues, and in fact all businesses, took over the NBA in 1984. The NBA was lagging behind the NFL and Major League Baseball in both revenue and television profile when he took over the league. By the time he stepped down, 30 years later, having surpassed Pete Rozelle of the NFL as the longest-tenured commissioner in the history of the major uh, North American sports, he had overseen the league's growth from fears of extinction in the late 70s. People were worried that the league was going to fold. Hard to imagine. To a $5 billion enterprise. Television revenue increased more than 40-fold during that span, crossing the $1 billion threshold. When Stern took over, the league was still showing its playoff games on tape delay, Mike. Wow. Okay. 9.30 start. The game would be shown at 11.30 p.m. on CBS. That's, but that is how the Americans do their Olympics, which I always found bizarre. Yeah, if it's but, a different uh, time zone. If it's a crazy time but zone. But even, uh, even that, to me, that concept so of can you imagine like a, It wouldn't happen today, of course, with social media. People would be tweeting out the scores and stuff like that. But back then, back in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, yeah, the NBA was so far down the food chain when it came to pro sports, the uh, coverage of live sports, that they ran the games on tape delay. Now, okay, so just so I understand the timelines here, the, the right. Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson rivalry, that predated... Uh, Stern. Stern. Yeah, okay. by about three, four years, four or five years. Because but, they were, they, but he turned them into global superstars, not sure. just North American superstars, global superstars. And, of course, when Stern took over, that was the year of the Michael Jordan draft. So the Jordan era was just beginning. Uh, bird, the bird magic and the, I and mean, Charles Barkley along with Jordan. That was a year later. Of course, Jordan went third overall. <clears throat> right. But what happened was Jordan in 84, I think Barkley was the next year. Uh, and you already had bird and magic. And so, yeah, he, you know, and, and then of course you had the dream team in 92. Right. First time professionals were allowed to play in the Olympics. And the dream team was like the Beatles. It was like Beatlemania. The Beatles plus Christian Leitner. <laughs> <laughs> And so um, that was, you know, that was David Stern. He instituted the first drug testing policy in pro sports after it was revealed that some 40% of all NBA players were using cocaine. That was in 1980. 40%, they said. There was a Los Angeles Times story. It was, whoa. So a lot of advertisers did not, they they didn't want to get involved. Excuse me. There was also the uh, perception that the league was um, too black and that advertisers and fans were not interested in seeing... um, this many blacks, especially if there was the cocaine tied to it. This, um, 
this perception was something that was very, you know, it was not the easiest thing from a marketing standpoint to overturn, but David Stern managed with the addition of international players, of which they were very few when he took over to hundreds now. Um, so all nations. So imagine when Yao Ming came and all of China went, whoa! Imagine when people from the, for, uh, the former uh, players from the former uh, Yugoslavia, for example, or Croatia, uh, Serbia, you know, um, um, the, some of the Baltic and Slavic nations Surely. started showing up in the National Basketball Vlad Divac Association. And, uh, yeah. uh, and I mean, Canada was, you know, Canadians it wasn't the same thing. I mean, you know, even though we are international, once you started bringing players over from Europe, different types of players. And um, so that was all you know, under David Stern's watch. I mean, uh, he negotiated some very difficult uh, contracts. He was, I interviewed him several times and I came away impressed, more and more impressed each time. First time I interviewed him was many years before the Raptors had a team and I had him on my radio show and man, he was, he was miserable. He was like, oh, well, you know, what do you guys, what do you know about basketball? And I had to tell him, I sort of had to prove myself. I think you're the reason we got the Raptors. <clears throat> if I'm, I'm connecting these dots, <laughs> you talk Stern into it. But Stern, but the thing with Stern was he didn't want, he didn't want to expand because he felt that the existing teams needed to be stronger, had to have a stronger base, and that the league had to stop moving from place to place, from Cincinnati to Kansas City to Omaha to Sacramento, right. from Buffalo to uh, Los, to San Diego to Los Angeles, from, I'm trying to think of the changes, I mean, all the different teams that went different places. The New York Nets became the New Jersey Nets. Anyway, there was a lot of movement, a lot of teams that were very unstable, and he didn't want to expand until he got those the stability with those other teams. And then when he expanded to Toronto and to Vancouver in 1995, then he expanded to other places. He added seven more teams. Um, but I'll tell you, he was a, a tough hombre. And uh, in today's day and age, he would have been charged with abuse. He was very abusive, verbally abusive. Oh, verbally abusive. Very much so. But like, like can you... Like, but very, charged very is much very, so. you have to be very verbally well, again, abusive very, to get I, charged. What I'm saying to you is if, and I don't know, there were no, but I'm just telling you that he was uh, very abusive. Um, could those uh, people that he was abusive to in the NBA office, could they have turned around at that time and said, hey, I want to file suit or something? N not at that particular time. Uh, they might have risked their jobs. I don't know, but he was a big bully. He was intimidating. He was verbally abusive. He would yell and scream. I did an interview with him once in... Uh, Arizona at the NBA general managers meetings, he's yelling at an NBA official, screaming at them. What the fuck is going on here? And I remember him sitting down with me and I'd said, you know, we had never met before and I'd interview you on radio before. And he was like, oh yeah, like that. Like, let's get to it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. And the answers were very concise. And if you, you know, if, if, if you got on his bad side, you're in big trouble. I mean, Larry Tannenbaum tried to, uh, he, he wanted to buy the Denver Nuggets. Uh, he wanted to buy, I think the New Jersey Nets, um, but when he wanted to buy the San Antonio Spurs, he didn't notify the NBA office. He kind of did an end around. Okay, yeah. And tried to buy them kind of quietly. And when Stern found out, he ripped him a new asshole, Larry Tannenbaum. Ripped him a new one. And then when the time came to choose uh, an ownership group, because there were three that put, put up for an expansion team in Toronto, he didn't choose Tannenbaum's group. You know that. Yeah, he, yeah, no, he, he didn't. Know, he yeah, said, yeah. Uh, I, there was a grudge there. There was something there. And, <laughs> and who knows, their proposal might have been better than the bits of uh, Alan Slate group. Right. But he, he, he did remembered. Not, he remembered. But do you think the success he had, that's some enormous success. Do you think he kind of had to be tough and uh, yeah. decide, like it kind of comes part and parcel? Like, Dictatorial. He did. Now, I want to give him some credit, though, some, some, some massive credit in terms of how progressively he handled. Uh, Magic Johnson, unbelievable during the uh, the HIV uh, diagnosis, yeah. and and at that time, the ignorance was astounding Incredible. in terms of how the disease was spread. He embraced Magic Johnson, and Magic Johnson said later, he said, "If it wasn't for David Stern, I wouldn't be alive today." I mean, David Stern uh, uh, basically told everyone in the NBA, "It said uh, too bad if you feel this way, then don't play." But Magic's going to play. He's going to play in the All Star game, right? Okay. It's significant, it's significant social uh, development. And not only that, um, where do you think the WNBA came from? Whose idea was it to create the WNBA? That was David Stern in 1997. And what about the developmental league, the G League? That was his idea. So um, without a doubt, the greatest. And um, as I had suggested many years ago, they should change the name of the Larry O'Brien trophy to the David Stern trophy. Well, now they might that he's passed here. 
That's the one thing with trophies. We've discussed this before. You take a trophy that was named after someone right. originally. The deal wasn't, you know, we're going to name this trophy, but if somebody better comes along, you know we're going to change the name of it. Do some digging and see if we can find some uh, problematic issues with uh, Larry O'B. And then we can. Well, no, Larry O'Brien just was not a great right. commissioner compared to David Stern, but then again, no one else is. So even, so you know what, the David, they might. The other thing is that the guy was so great and did so much for basketball. Somebody should come up with some trophy, some honor, some award uh, naming David Stern. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, by the way, the average NBA salary when he took over in 1984, 250000 The average NBA salary today, $9 million. <laughs> So figure that out. That's 36 times. Is that right? 36 times. And He's increased salaries by 36-fold. Is that right? Let's compare that to a teacher's salary the same period of time. Wow. Wow. Now a word about jerseyfactory.com. They make really cool, customized, personalized apparel for all sports, and those sports include... Hockey, basketball, football, baseball, softball, and soccer. So if the jerseys of your team has are like, yeah, they're okay, maybe the color scheme, maybe the logo, eh, it's okay. The guys at Jersey Factory, the guys and gals at jerseyfactory.com will come up with a fabulous color combinations, cool logos, anything you need to make your team look better. And you know what they say, play like a pro, look like a pro. So whether it's house league, rep, school sports, corporate events, um, team building events, Go to the pros, go to jerseyfactory.com. They ship anywhere in Canada and the U.S. And they've got anything uh, when it comes to apparel that you need. they got the jerseys, the pants, the warm-up gear, uh, the team swag, coaches gear, shorts, everything. Jerseyfactory.com. And by the way, if you use the promo code HEBSY, you'll receive 10% off any order over $1,000. So get your team looking better and playing better and go to jerseyfactory.com. And you know, speaking of jerseys, boy... It's fun to watch the Maple Leafs play on the road and see all those Leaf jerseys. No matter where they go, even in Minnesota on New Year's, was it New Year's Eve they played Minnesota? New Year's Eve night. Yes. And I'm thinking, you know, Minnesota, I mean, it's not a short drive from Northern Ontario or Manitoba to get to Minneapolis-St. Paul. It's got to be six, eight hours minimum. But boy, the number of Leaf fans that show up in places like Winnipeg and, and of course, in Western Canada too. Canada's team. But in Minnesota and even in places like Chicago and certainly in Detroit. But boy, they get a lot. And I'll bet you when Seattle comes into the league in a couple of years, there'll be a lot of fans. Careful there, Mike. Your microphone just broke. Uh, There'll be a lot of fans wearing Leaf jerseys. So there's just something about seeing, I'm sure, and I know from talking to Leaf players and others, when you see on the road a bunch of your team's jerseys in the crowd, Right. First of all, the TV cameras love them because the director now is going, okay, give me a shot of anybody that's wearing a Leaf jersey. The Jays are fabulous for that because the Blue Jays, you know, whenever they're on the road, there's always shots of people wearing Blue Jays stuff, and it's, 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 it's always there. You got an issue? Uh, you continue. I'm going to fix this, and no one will be the wiser. Oh, yeah, no one will be the wiser. Anybody that's watching on Periscope can see that Mike uh, accidentally uh, unhooked his <laughs> microphone and now has to. I shall now, fix. <clears throat> it's now handheld. So uh, I mentioned jerseyfactory.com, speaking of jerseys, right? So now back to hockey. And uh, after a bit of a rough start that included a, if you recall, 6 nothing loss to Russia in the group stage, an injury to their best player, a show of disrespect from their captain, and a few other issues. Team Canada have reached the semifinals at the World Junior Hockey Championship thanks to a resounding 6-1 win over Slovakia yesterday. Tomorrow, Team Canada gets the defending champion Finns in the semifinals. Finland upset the United States 1-0 yesterday. The other semifinal features Sweden and Russia. And Mike, wouldn't it be fantastic if Canada could exact revenge on the Russians by getting another shot at them in the gold medal game. I know I'm, I know I'm speaking ahead of myself, but imagine Canada-Russia in the gold medal game. First, we got to get by the Finns, and we got to have the Russians beat the Swedes. That would be great. Uh, Alexei Lafreniere, who it was feared would be out for the entire tournament with a knee injury, returned yesterday and looked fully healed after that incident against the Russians last Saturday. Mike, do you like Canada's chances to take the gold medal? I like our chances to take the gold medal just as much as I like our chances to lose uh, the next this this game against the Finns. I'm not sure I understand where <laughs> okay, you're. Okay, that's coming. what I'm saying is. This can't. I wouldn't be shocked if this team won gold, but I wouldn't be shocked if this team finished. Uh, fifth. Why? Why do you say that? Why? It's, uh, well, okay. So I watched the vast majority. They can't of these finish games. fifth. They can't finish. Okay. Fifth. Well, what, what can they we can lose the bronze medal right. game and finish fourth. That would be the worst. Okay. Uh, both. Are, I think equal chance of both. Now, I. I. Uh, <laughs> what I will the hell say, is that? I will say this. You watched the Russia Canada game. Yes. 
we looked awful. Like we looked uninspired. Uh-huh. We got we got spanked, but unprecedented spanking. So uh, every other game we've won, of course. But uh, I I can't. I think there's a bunch of teams that could win this, and and we're in, yeah, we could win, but we could also lose. I know this is a terrible answer, but just be glad I had repaired the equipment so quickly. That's the worst fucking answer I've ever heard. Honestly, it's just you know what? Just say <laughs> I don't know. Just say I don't know next time. Well, no one knows. I don't know. Do you think that we have as good a chance of winning the gold as we do of getting our asses kicked in the semifinals against the Finns? That's exactly correct. <sighs> what do you think? No one cares what I think, anyways. Hebsy, what what do you think? I think you got to have a team that's on a roll, a team that has confidence, a team that has their best player back after an injury. That's overcome this. I mean, look, they could have folded up and uh, and died after losing six nothing. Humiliating experience. They learn from it, and they're a better team. Their goaltending is sharp. They've got incredible confidence. They can all score. Heck, uh, what's his name? Adam Foote's kid got knocked out of the game 55 seconds in, ejected from the game. Yep. They t- okay, well, little blip on the radar. Boom, off we go. We'll win 6-1. to 6-1 to is pretty impressive. Pretty darn impressive. I think the, and the Finns, the Finns had to use a lot of energy to knock off the Americans, and good on them. But you think the Finns are going to keep Canada to zero goals? Not going to happen. Not going to happen, my friend. Canada's going to win. They're going to win the semifinal. And then the gold medal game is um, Monday, right? Now, I would love it to be against Russia, just That'd just to have the opportunity to, uh, you know, re- re- repair what they tore. Right, right. Because, it, I mean, look, they could win the Look, if they win the gold, it's great, terrific. But if they win the gold by beating the Russians, it's perfect. Yeah. It's just perfect. And Let's course, get by the Finns first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, Minnesota Twins, and Washington Nationals are offering free agent Josh Donaldson four-year contracts in the $100 million range, according to Mark Feinsand of MLB.com. The Dodgers are still in the mix as well. Uh, Donaldson, who's 34, is the last remaining star third baseman available via free agency, so there's no rush to complete the deal due to the lack of competition at the position. Uh, Feinstead says uh, Donaldson at 259, uh, on-base percentage of 379, and a 521 slugging with 37 homers. In 2019, he won the uh, National League Comeback Player of the Year award, by the way, because uh, in 2018, he was horseshit. Right. So the bringer of rain is going to get paid. Bringer of rain is going to get paid. Well, it's the last contract of his uh, career, so he's got to cash in. Good for him. Um, and that's the, the only other baseball news I have is they showed a video of what uh, the Dunedin Stadium, the new Dunedin Stadium looks like. And uh, I had some aerial views with the, uh, not the chopper, uh, the, what do you call it? Drone. The drone shots, which I love. They're drone, great. that's changed all, everything. everything right? Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful shot. And it's and changed fireworks. I don't know if you caught, like. Uh, I did. It's completely. And parades, and parades. <laughs> well, yeah, it's but that, the, really. that was illegal, the parade shot. But, you know, that's not allowed. Which one? What are you talking about? You're, are you talking about the, the uh, drone shot of the Raptor parade? No. Okay, what are you referring to? Uh, the drone shot of the Rose Bowl parade. Oh, okay, I didn't see that the one. Tournament of Roses parade. Okay. Fantastic. What a view. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's again. Yeah, it's a come. Go ahead, sue me, sue me for running a drone up there. Uh, all right. So Josh Donaldson. Yeah. So baseball season starts in I don't know. We're into January already. Baseball season usually starts around the 20th of February or so. I like when guys show up two weeks in advance. Right. Pitchers, They're raring to go. I remember the time that George Bell showed up late. Everyone thought he was late for spring training when everybody else showed up early. He showed up on time, right. but everybody else was so excited to play. They all showed up a couple <laughs> days early. Um, all right, tennis. Yeah, Canada has uh, secured the first match of the new ATP Cup with Denis Shapovalov and Felix Auger-Aliassim winning their singles matches against Stefanos Tsitsipas and Mikhail Pevolakaracas of Greece. Wait, what is this again? It's D- brand it new. It's the ATP Cup. And it's brand different new. than the Davis Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, so you're just playing relax. for your country? What did I just say? Well, I, I, I just I've say? never heard of this thing. What did I, that's right. As I'm explaining to you, it's brand new. Okay, and we this is important. Like, oh, will, will the, will let the me non- finish the story. <laughs> Jeez, there's so many things. Go ahead. I know, and that's the thing with tennis. You've got to keep up. This is new. This is exciting. Okay, Canadians took a two nothing lead uh, ahead of the doubles match, so they don't even have to play Chapo or Felix Auger-Aliassime in the doubles because they've already won the the tie. They call it. Um, so uh, Chapo knocks off Tsitsipas seven six seven six. Uh, in just over two hours. And uh, Oji Aliassim was all of 19, needed only 69 minutes for a 6-1, 6-3 win over uh, Pervolarakas, the uh, number two Greek, who, by the way, is ranked 487 in the world. Uh, so it looks like 2020 might be an even better year for Canadian tennis than 2019 was because these events that they're bringing out, they want, they want more and more people interested in tennis year-round, not just, you know, during the Grand Slam events, year-round. 
So you start the season off, you start 2019 off with what's known as the ATP Cup, where countries play against each other, similar to the Davis Cup, okay? And remember, they got the Laver Cup, and they had the, you know, the other championships. They've got, you, wanna, you want to mm-hmm. get the best players in the world out there to the rest of the world as often as possible. May I speak <clears throat> on behalf of casual tennis fans throughout this country? You may, Stuff like this is why we only care about the majors. That's you. It's diluted. There's too much. No, like, but this like, isn't a major. Right, exactly. You can choose so not to watch. I would argue that you and the diehard tennis fans are the only ones paying attention to this thing. Uh, the diehard tennis fans? People who enjoy good competition, you mean? The diehard tennis fans. So if it was on television, you wouldn't watch it? I, no, I don't think so. Really? So it's on TV. You're going to say, oh, I'm not interested in Denis Shapovalov or Felix Auger-Aliassime. Fuck them. Well, Only I- talk to me when it's the French Open, Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, or the Australian. Is that about right, Mike? I'm a pretty busy man. I did or watch maybe the, the Davis uh, Cup. And maybe I like the uh, when, when, when Bianca won so the Rogers Cup. T- you're such a front runner. You're such a front runner. Is it a finals? I need to know. I don't understand stop this kind it. of event. Just I need to do some it. homework. Forget it. This isn't for you anyway. If you're not interested in tennis, then forget it. I thought I'd p- throw it out there. No, you should throw it out there. I'm because just pointing out Because people might want to be uh, informed by it. That's what we're trying to do on this podcast. Although you're really trying to... You're, it's a train wreck here. When if I may, Hebsey. Yeah. You, you have a Bianca disclosed. Andreescu, by the way. Yes. Okay. You know about her. She won the US Open. You, great. But you know that she's not playing at Auckland. You know she's pulled out. I might not have okay. known that. And you know that the Australian Open is like later this month, right? It's in like three weeks. You'll, I know it's coming up. You'll get interested if Bianca plays. I want, if a and Canadian if is plays, a, yeah. in, in a, you know, a quarterfinal or something. Oh, I'm, a quarterfinal only, right. So the hell with you her know, until like, she gets I to wanna, the I would like to see Canadians succeed at the uh, Aussie Open. Yeah, to get to the quarterfinals, though, you've got to follow them through the first few rounds. Are but, you willing to do that, or are you just going to jump on the bandwagon when she reaches the quarters? I... You know, it all depends on what else. Is going oh on my, in my God! Life here. Could but you be any me. more fence sitting today? <laughs> if I really, may. honestly, you're, you're being way too politically correct today. Then way I, too political. Well, they could win or they could lose. I might be interested. I might not be interested. <clears throat> Maybe you're going to be interested in this. Leon Spinks. You've heard of him? Yes. One-time heavyweight champion boxer is suffering from prostate cancer that is spread to his bladder. That's according to his wife Brenda. Sixty-six-year-old uh, Spinks was diagnosed in May and on New Year's Eve discharged from a Las Vegas hospital, according to Brenda Spinks. Spinks, famous for his gap-tooth grin, won the undisputed heavyweight championship in 1978 when he stunned the sports world and Muhammad Ali by defeating the champ uh, in a split decision. He won a gold medal in the 1976 Olympics in Montreal as a light heavyweight. That's where I first interviewed him, by the way, and finished his pro career with a record of 26-17 and three. Now we all wish the former champ the best. So I'll tell you this. I had a personal relationship with Leon Spinks and his wife. I need to hear this story. And his wife. So I got a chance to interview Spinks on a couple of occasions, the first time after the 76 Olympics. And then during his you know, career, especially after he won the championship, we got him on the phone. I think Mike Cowan had him on the phone for his talk show. Uh, anyway, so here's the story. I'm in Chicago. We're shooting, uh, we're doing stuff for the Leafs. It's the playoffs. I think they're playing, yeah, they're playing the Blackhawks. Of course, we're in Chicago. And my cameraman and I, the late Mike Odrowski, um, we're there and we're shooting the game and we get the post-game interviews done. And I don't know, it's a Wednesday night or whatever in Chicago. And the Chicago Stadium is in a really bad area of Chicago. Uh, the United Center is right across the street. It's the same bad area, but it was really bad, really seedy back in those days. Bad, bad. Cabs would not come out to the Chicago Stadium to pick up fares. Wow. They'd go drop you off if you took it from downtown Chicago, but they weren't so fast in showing up at the Chicago Stadium waiting for a fare because, you know, it was a bad, bad neighborhood. So now we're finished shooting. Mike's got his camera. I got my stuff. We're going to go back to the hotel, and we're trying to get a cab, and we can't get a cab, and we see a stretch limo sitting just outside gate three and a half, which was the media entrance gate to the Chicago stadium. And I look at Mike and I say, we're going to take, we're going to get that limo. And there's a guy standing outside with the cap on the chauffeur. And he, <laughs> and I think he says, if I'm not mistaken, he says to me, <clears throat> Mr. Miller, like, I think Gord Miller, I th- I'm not positive now, but it was something like he kind of looked at us and we've got it. Mike's my camera has got his camera, right? Obviously this was, a TSN, they had hired a limo to come. And so the limo driver thinks that me and Mike are the TSN crew. And so he goes, are you, oh no, he goes, are you guys from TSN? Are you Mr. Miller? Something that might've been Gord Miller, but anyway, are you guys from TSN? So we go, yeah. He goes, great. Opens up the door. Okay. We get in the back of the limo. Yeah. Right. And we get the hell out of there. We get the hell out of there. Now I never knew what happened. I don't know what happened. When the TSN guys finally showed up and their limo wasn't there. I don't know. All I know is we stole their limo. 
And we say to the driver, we want to go somewhere. Oh, for, we say to the driver, how long have we got you for? Yeah. So he's going, well, you got it. You got me for four hours. Wow. Right. It was a two hour minimum. And he had it for four hours because they didn't know how long it was going to take. So now we've got the limo driver for four hours. And we say, can you drop us off at the hotel? We're just going to drop off our gear and everything like that. And then you'll take us. And then where's a great, a really good blues bar? Want to go see some blues? It's Chicago, right? So the and this guy still thinks he's like he's got they got paid. He's figuring I got the and there's no cell phones in those days either, so there was no one phoning saying hey you didn't pick up the TSN guys. He right. this guy didn't know, and so he drops us off at the hotel and right near he says there's a place right near the hotel called the Rockery R O C K E R Y. It's downstairs. It's a <clears throat> and Buddy Guy's playing there. He's like the house musician or something like wow. that. Wow. Buddy Guy had a place called Legends also, but I, he didn't play there as much or they had just started. Anyway, so he takes us to this place. We go down to the Rockery, right? We tell the limo driver, you know, come back and pick us up and, you know, um, at the end of the shift so that you can get us back to the hotel like three and a half hours later. Right. And we go into this place and we go to the bar and we're sitting at the bar and Mike says, look at that guy at the end of the bar. He looks familiar. It's Leon Spinks. Okay. It's Leon Spinks. He's at the end of the bar. Now, any boxing champion, if you call that person champ, you're in like Flint. Hey, champ. Right? They love you. Right. So we look across the bar and we're like, hey, champ. And he, hey, you know, and he's drinking a beer and he looks over and he kind of like that guy. And I'm thinking I should go over and introduce myself because I'd interviewed him before. He's not going to recognize me. So we say to the bartender, you know, can we, we want to buy the champ a drink. Bartender goes over and we can see him talking to Spinks and Spinks goes, holds up his beer and he says to the bartender, triple Courvoisier on the wa- on the rocks. Not a beer. <laughs> he wants a triple Courvoisier, which is a, a brandy and a very expensive brandy at that. I'll bet. Because as long as we're buying, right? Right. So now triple Courvoisier, I figure that's enough. And I go over and I'm talking with him and all that. And then, and then. Uh, and I tell him I interviewed you in Montreal and on the phone. Oh yeah, yeah. How's it going, man? And he's had more than a few. And now his wife comes over and she wants to dance. They're playing music and there's, you know, live band. And she wants to dance and he don't want to dance. He's, like, he's waving her off. He's waving her off. And she's standing there. Hi, how are you? And she's like dancing and we're having a conversation. And then he looks at me and he goes, my wife wants to dance. Why don't you go and dance with her? That's the way it came out. And I, oh, hey, listen, okay. It's like Pulp Fiction, Okay, right? all right. <laughs> and here I am on the dance floor dancing to Buddy Guy with Mrs. Leon Spinks, with Brenda Spinks. Wow. I'm out there and I'm having a good time. And Mike, my cameraman, is watching this. He's going, no one's going to believe this. No one is going to believe this, right? And he doesn't have his camera. Meanwhile, uh, three or four triple Courvoisiers later, he's the friendliest guy in the world. And everything. You know, he wanted to, you know, Brenda had taken off. He had stayed till closing. It's like 3 a.m. No, it wasn't quite that late because our limo driver was coming at 10.30, 2.30. That's right. He picked us up at 1030. He was picking up uh, us up at uh, 230. Okay. Cause we, it was a four hour limit. So he's picking us up around 25 after two or 20 after two or whatever. And Spinks is like, Hey, can you give me a ride? And we're thinking, what if we, what if we took Leon Spinks with us? Right. Well, what you've if we already stolen the cab. You want to now kidnap the champ? No, no, we're not kidnapping the champ. He, he needs a way to get home. So, so, all right. So anyway, we drag him up the stairs. We take him into the limo. We introduce him to the limo driver. This is Leon Spick. Oh, champ, how are you? Can I get an autograph? Can I, you know, the whole deal like that. Right. And that was the last I saw of Leon Spink. So he, the limo driver dropped us off at our hotel and I guess took Leon Spink's home. <laughs> Probably build TSN for the extra couple of hours. <laughs> Is that the last you saw of uh, his wife? <laughs> yes, that was the last time. So um, anyway, that's the story. So we wish the former champ all the best. And um, um, my apologies to TSN. I'm not going to say send me the bill. I'm just saying that, man, what? look, it was one of those nights in Chicago where we couldn't get a cab and we lied. You know, the, 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 the limo driver didn't do his due diligence, didn't ask for ID or anything. He says, are you guys from TSN? We lied and said we were. What year was this again? Oh, man. <sighs> what year was this going to be? I'm going to say this was 1992, th- 1993 or four. Because, you know, we're in a world now where we could, yeah. we could, we could ask uh, Gord Miller if he remembers, uh, yeah. now no again, I don't remember. <laughs> now I, I, I think it was a playoff game, but I'm not sure it was a playoff game, but I know that TSN was there covering it as well. So I think it was, and I think they were there, um, you know, covering it the way we were at global. We were there and we had a cameraman there. We did post game interviews. You know, we sent them back via satellite to the, to, to our stations in Toronto. It's, so it's, it's, if anyone knows, like Phil King would know, Phil would know. 
He probably was the one who got the bill. He was the president of TSN. But I mean, you know, it was one of those types of things. It was, you know, and it was, uh, I, I think it was during a playoff series. But nobody ever came. Like, no one ever came afterwards. Hey, you son of a bitch, you, t- you stole our limo. They just sort of went, I'm sure the driver went, the guy said they were from TSN, so I was, you know, I don't know, the guy had a big camera on his shoulder, you know. Right, right, right. Now, is that your, yeah, that brief relationship? Oh, Mr. Was, Duffy, I think that's a, yes, I'm oh, Mr. No, I don't know, I don't recall. I don't recall, Do you, <laughs> I don't recall who the, uh, again, I don't, uh, someone's name was mentioned. It's not it might Bob have been McKenzie, John, though. No, 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 it was way, uh, not way before Bob, <laughs> but Bob, Bob was, it might have been Mr. Wells, it might have been, I don't think it was Mr. Cuthbert, he was still at the CBC, I don't recall. But it was someone's name, and we just nodded and went, yep, that's us. And maybe that was, maybe Vic Router knows. Uh, he might be watching right it. now. And that's my but story. But is, is this the closest you've been to a heavyweight champion of the world? Oh, no, no, no. I interviewed Ali a couple of times But not interviewed, but did you have right. a, like a casual conversation? Like, this sounds like a far more friendly encounter than an interview. Um, He was pretty drunk. I mean, you did dance with his wife. I danced with his wife. Uh, he was pretty drunk. And like I said, you're switching from Miller High Life to Triple Courvoisier on the rocks. Because someone's buying. Oh, and by the way, that went on the global expense account. Thanks, Global, for that. <laughs> when I put in the expense account, okay? Guy. Yeah, and I didn't even get an interview out of it. Like, you know, they didn't say, well, well did you get an interview? And it was, well, no, but anyway, they footed the bill. You built rapport for that. That was also the time where we were getting $100 a day per diem, and somebody whose name I won't mention, a very famous producer now, wasn't aware of what per diem meant. <laughs> and after our trip, which was quite a long one, gave back hundreds of dollars in U.S. funds saying I didn't spend it. Interesting. And then they said, geez, we must be giving away way too much for our per diems, and they sliced it in half. <laughs> anyway, that's, a good deal. that's it. That's, uh, that's all. Uh, it's episode 162 of Hebsey on Sports. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Thanks to our wonderful sponsor, jerseyfactory.com. Get the finest customized sports apparel for your team. Visit jerseyfactory.com. And we hope you'll tell your friends, if you have any, and your relatives about this podcast, and perhaps you'll even subscribe to the audio podcast or our Periscope TV video feed. We're on every Monday and Friday. We go live at 9.20 a.m., and you can watch us or listen to us anytime you wish. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another exciting episode shortly. Until then, so long for now. This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome Phone. Rome Phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit romephone.ca to get started.